Hello and welcome. This is A New Spin on Autism, Answers. And I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. And oh boy, are we going to have fun today. Now remember, this is called A New Spin on Autism because I always take a new spin on how to look at things when it's related to autism. And today's show is really going to be a great example of that. So, uh, oh, and hang in there, hang in there for the very, very end. You must not, you must not give up on me before the end of the show because as always at the very end of the show, we have stories from the road, which is going to take this crazy zany show and put it all together and make it actually make some sense. And just before that, okay, 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 the great guest giveaway, so it's worth it. Hang in there, be with me. Usually, usually, I do a whole lot of chitter-chatter at the beginning before I start talking to my guests, but my guest today is so fantastic and wonderful, and I'm so thrilled that um, he said that he would let me go ahead and talk to him on the show, that I am going to jump right to it. Um, when, I, when I first met Howard, this is Howard Lapidus we'll be talking to, when I first met Howard, he was managing my best friend's husband. We were both in Canada at the time, and uh, Mike McDonald was a major, major, major comedian um, on the Canadian scene. And I met Howard at that time. This was way back, way back in the early 90s. So cut to today, and I remember saying to him a few weeks back, you know, basically, oh, but you're so intimidating. You've been doing so much for so long. And he's like, I'm just an old radio guy. Um, Okay. I want to tell you right now that's not true because I'm sitting here looking at pieces of his resume and he's way, way more than an old radio guy. So are you starting to blush yet, Howard? Yeah. <laughs> about, about a minute and a half ago. <laughs> all right. Well, let me just say you've, you've managed all kinds of you know, very weighty performers. I want to mention or, or touch on just a few so people get a sense of it. Norm MacDonald, at one point you were managing him, correct? Right. And when, he, uh, when he first came, we first brought Norm down from Canada. Uh, Mike was, uh, you, the aforementioned Mike who you spoke of, is still a very, very popular comedian in Canada and uh, was my first client. And, and I, I still think, um, I, I think he's my client. He thinks I'm his manager. It's, it's one of those relationships that's been going on for, uh, we're in our one, let's see, what decade number? One, two, three, four, something like that. Wow. Three, 30 years, four decades. That's pretty good for an old radio guy. Yeah. So also, also, Dr. Drew, is, um, are you managing partners with him, or did you manage him? Tell us the story on that. I've uh, been managing Drew for 21 years. We're also production partners, um, and we, uh, we've got a production company, which we are setting to uh, sail a bunch of shows that uh, are very Dr. Drew-centric, and... Uh, Looking forward to that over the next 18 months, launching a few of those. Okay, so you, you know, suffice to say, you've done quite a quite a few things in the entertainment industry. Yeah, but as, as I sit here, I go, oh, well, I guess I did. There's, a, I like to pick and choose some of them to still be doing, some I'm not, some, and I, there's some yet to go. And you've even produced film. I did do that a couple times over. Um, found I didn't like it. <laughs> Why not? Well, everyone goes, well, you have to become a filmmaker. Yeah, well, it's like watching paint dry for me. 
it's just a long uh, process and uh, it could you know any movie even a the really you know short wacky comedy uh takes about a year and a half you know to two years from start to finish and you work for one weekend you know that opening weekend is all you got maybe the opening showing in new york at 1 15 in the afternoon pretty much all you got you know where you're going to go and it's hard to you know you want to work for three years and be judged by you know 1 15 in the afternoon in new york for the first show it's uh, it's not for me okay all right so uh what i have a plan here that's autism related so right. here's the thing okay your would you say it's fair to say that you your background's in comedy I think so. I think um, radio slash comedy slash personalities. Yeah, but that's yeah. My background. I my, I probably know comedy as well. I probably know stand up comedy as well as the next guy. Okay, and and you also you had a club at one point. A uh... bunch of them. Okay. All right. So I think it's fair to say. So one of the things I noticed when I started doing stand up, oh hey 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 back when, was that everybody there was just a little bit, meaning the other comedians were all just a little bit diagnosable. We were all just a little bit crazy, a little off the mat, you know, mm-hmm. kind of over on the edge of society there. And so, oh, I heard my my Canadian accent come out just then. That was very weird. Okay, so it, you it, met- it comes out quite often. <laughs> I don't think you realize it. Um, I'm trying to pretend I'm American. I'm not yeah. succeeding. Why? Okay. I'm, I'm, t- I'm totally teasing. I'm not trying yeah. to pretend anything. I, know. I want us to hit on the whole uh, behavior and emotional place that comedians are at. And, and it's going to go somewhere. So I'll tell you what the main question is going to be. And we're kind of talk around it for a little bit because you're not a doctor, although you're associated with one. Um, in, and I don't know how worried of this you are, Howard, but in autism, one of the things that has sort of come to be in the last few years is there's a whole lot of performers that have been diagnosed with something, and especially with autism, this is true, but, you know, it's true also of cerebral palsy and depression and different things, where they lead with their diagnosis as a piece of how to market themselves and how to become famous um, and how to be forgiven maybe for some of their blunders. So I was thinking that it would be really wonderful if we could just kind of chat on that a little bit. Um, and number one, what's your opinion of that as a manager? If somebody came to you and said, look, I'm, I'm diagnosed as autistic and I think that that's my, you know, my shtick, my thing that I want to lead with, what, what kind of advice would you give? Um, that, that's a, a long, interesting, involved question. The, um, uh, you know, what kind of advice I would give would certainly depend on, really depend on more than just somebody saying, I want to, I want to go with my diagnosis. Um, you know, it's, it's what's, the diagnosis may be the stake in the ground, but you know, what, what do we put around it? What does it mean? Why, uh, you know, define your diagnosis for me would be the first thing I'd want to know because I know that, you know, this, the, first of all, you know, I'd like to try and understand it first, understand the diagnosis, understand, um, you know, that to what degree are we dealing, you know, what are we dealing with? Uh, will the diagnosis affect the performance? Will it affect the comfort level of the audience? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many different questions, um, that I would have, and by the way, 
that that doesn't that's the questions that I would ask it would not be uh, unique strictly to somebody coming to me and saying I want to build my act around autism. It could be around I want to build it around you know I'm black or I'm I'm I'm, I'm gay I'm a female I'm a black gay female yeah uh, you know any of that. So so um, you know again each each. Yeah, each performer is like a snowflake. Hopefully, if they're if they're like something else, then there already is one of them, and there's no need to have two. So uh, that would be the end of the meeting at that point. If they're you know if they want to be like somebody else or the next, I always like that. Oh, there's going to be the next so and so. Yeah, well, we already have so and so. I don't need the next so and so. Very cool. So so back to the you know the autism thing. It it. it uh, um, you know, the, the, I, I would have to. I'd have to really. I'd, I, my question would be right back. What are we talking about? Okay. All right. And and I love that. So we're talking with uh, Howard Lapidus. He's uh, been in the entertainment industry for decades. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> Goes by quick. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. And is very uh, versed in comedy. We're talking a little bit about how one markets themselves. Uh, and I'm especially interested in all of the comedians that are coming up now and marketing themselves as, and it's not just comedians, it's writers, um, a lot of journalists are marketing themselves this way, but mostly comedians are saying, hey, I'm autistic, and they do a lot of autistic jokes. And uh, you know, we're kind of getting his opinion on that. And before I back off and let you do all the talking again, I want to know... Um, if you ever heard anything about Norm Macdonald having been labeled autistic at some point? The answer to that is, and as I spent maybe six, seven years managing Norm, um, and I'm totally oblivious to things, I guess. I, I, I did not, I've never heard that until maybe recently, maybe uh, just recently. But uh, back in the day when we were in business together, uh No. Okay. Well, I find, him I, I find him. I find him rather. Uh, I find him as somebody that kind of hides behind a persona. He's very, very sharp, very smart, very calculated. So uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know what he's putting out there. Right. Well, where where it kind of applies is that. Um, so way back when I used to play poker with Norm. Uh, I remember at one point hearing that, and so I asked him about it because, you know, I have all the autistic kids, so it was kind of a natural to ask. And he said, Shh, you know, you know, that's that's way in the past. And um, and that kept me looking and thinking in a different way. And it's kind of irrelevant if he was or he wasn't. Um, he certainly didn't lead with that kind of uh, thing in his marketing. However, um, one of the things about autism is that they get very fixated on something, very compulsive, and uh, find it very hard to turn away. And uh, I thought it might be fun to share that little gambling story that you had told me, because I, I know that it's okay, Norm's out, outed himself on it, and he's out on Ellen talking about it, so it's all good. What, the first night he gambled? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful story, and it kind of matches that whole compulsive thing. We were in, uh, we were in Las Vegas doing something. God only knows what they, you know, opening a club, doing. I, I, I have no idea. He was performing there for whatever reason. I was there, and and um, I like to play blackjack. Not not a, a big time player, but I, I like to play. And uh, he saw me at the table, came over, and you know, asked what I was doing. I said, "Well, I'm playing blackjack." He said, "Well, 
how does that work? You know, so I, sh- I started to show him, and then he sat down next to me, and he started to uh, pull out some money and started to, to play, having no idea what he was doing. So I was worrying more about his hands than I was mine, and uh, watching the progression, well, actually the non-progression of how he was gambling and uh, how much money he was he was betting. The, the bottom line, to kind of tighten up the story, is uh, he just fell in love with it and started kept going and going to the he'd disappear and he'd be at the uh, at the uh, cash machine and he'd be back with another few thousand bucks and it was he was going through it like water and he finally looked at me and says yeah Howard you gotta get me out of here you know get me back to Toronto and this is you know 12 midnight late I run up to my room and Call the airline. The first flight out was like six fifteen in the morning, and I make arrangements to change his ticket. And I go through the whole thing and and uh, and get it all set for him to leave it. You know, the fastest I can get him out of town is six fifteen. So I go back down. It's about one o'clock in the morning. I tell him get away from the tables. I kind of get him away from the tables. So you get ready because you're going to leave at six fifteen. You're going to leave at the airport. You know, at four. You know, all that stuff. Just trying to keep him away from gambling and get him to the airport. He had all his instructions. I had a sheet written out. This is what you do, where you go, how you do it. It's all set. These are the, here's your account number. Just give that to the people and get on the plane. Um, and he said, oh, he thanked me a thousand times over. I'm tired. It's enough, like one, two in the morning. And I, I go up to sleep. I get up around 10. I'm going to go to the coffee shop for breakfast. I'm walking through the casino. There's Norm sitting at the table. <laughs> Still, Didn't quite make the plane. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Hey, I started winning. What am I going to do? Leave <laughs> <laughs> when you lose, I, I said, guess. What, I said, what would that get you? Well, i got to try and win it back. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, see, there's a reason why uh, they have the hotels and we don't. Here's how it works. So, I tried to teach him. I said, there's only one door to leave a casino with money, and and, and, and that's the stage door. Uh, but uh, he never really uh, wanted well, to take to that lesson. Yeah, no, it, it hooked him for a while. And yeah. he's, he's been out talking about it. Um, so why I, I bring it up is not really the diss on Normie's Marvelous, but um, because absolutely. I think this is, yeah, absolutely Marvelous. Yeah. I think this is an interesting uh, thing that's out there and that's happening and evolving right now. So, you know, when I met him and I heard that, and I have to admit there were all kinds of stories where he would, um, asked for he did this with me for example he'd ask me for a ride and I'd be standing at one door of Yuck Yucks waiting to give him a ride and he'd totally forget that he'd ask me for a ride and go right. to the other door <laughs> and leave and I'm like there for half an hour you know where's when's he coming when's he coming so there were lots of those kind of fun norm stories and trust mm-hmm. me there's lots of Lynette stories too so that's all cool but um, let's just play a little game here what is when you got you know started working with Norm and managing him, what if he said, "Look, I let's just, it's a game, guys. I don't know that he was ever diagnosed. We're just playing." Let's say he said to you, "You know, I, I was diagnosed with this thing, autism, and you know it wasn't as popular back then either. So, you know, he would have been very unique and different. Would you have seen it as a good move?" to discuss it out in the world and use it as a hook, or would you not have? 
I uh, it, this is going to be a general answer to a specific question, but I think it it will end up answering itself specifically. Um, how's that? So I um, um, I think that anybody, if they plan on stepping one foot on stage, better start thinking they're going to tell the truth, or they can forget it. And I love that answer. That's that. I love that answer. I think we're going to stop there. Okay. I think you just said the most amazing thing. Did you hear that, people? That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing a little piece of your stories and um, and being willing to let me kind of take you down the, the rabbit hole of what if. Yep. Really My pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I have to do the closer now. Um, I want to hear the story part. I get to, I get to listen now. <laughs> Stories from you get you can yeah. listen. It's fine. Okay. Um, all right. I have to admit, you're making me nervous. There's <laughs> thousands of other people that are listening. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know that. Not your first time on stage. Let's move it along. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving this in. This is great. <laughs> okay. 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 It's time for the great guest giveaway, and today we have check it out. Her name is Laura Sylvester, and she's the executive director and founder of Good Dog, as well as a friend. So here we are. Laura is the mother of an 11-year-old boy with autism, and she also is the owner of an autism companion dog. The dog's name is Orbit. He's awesome. And uh, she's the founder of Good Dog Autism Companions because she wants to help families, you know, be part of this magical journey of owning service dogs. So I really think we ought to chat with her. Hi, Laura. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're more than welcome. So I'm really actually very excited because I've seen, um, I don't always see children with autism respond to dog ownership, but when they do, it's always been such a big thing in the family. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about how that experience was for your family? Yeah, thank you. Um, we, I wanted to get Elliot a service dog, um, and really it was a leap of faith. I didn't know if he would um, respond to it or not, and we applied to some of the, organiz- the one organization I know of that um, gives away free dogs, and we didn't apply because Elliot was afraid of dogs. But I knew since we had um, a dog when he was very young that he bonded with, I just felt in my heart that it was something that he would benefit him. So I started researching it and, like I said, applied um, to CCI. A lot of people are familiar with Canine Companions for Independence. They're a great organization and they give their dogs um, for free because they've been around so long and have so much grant money. Again, we got denied that. So I started researching all the other companies and all the other ways of getting dogs, and that was a bit much. It was hard to get information and understand why is one dog free, why is one dog $14,000. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. I want to know why, why, what was the grounds for denying you a dog? What would be a reason for that? Oh, well, in our case, it was because Elliot was afraid of dogs. So he, you know, if you have only limited dogs to give away, and you have as many applicants as I imagine they have, um, you want it to go to perfect candidates. And perfect candidates would be someone with autism who wanted a dog. (laughs) It wasn't expressing a desire for a dog, and he also was afraid of stranger dogs. So only when he got to know a dog would he, you know, bond with it, play with it, connect with it. So, like I said, it was this a leap of faith, and once we found the trainers, Tim and Elise, 
the journey then became magical. They were amazing to work with. Um, we got Orbit when he was 11 months old, which is so much younger than most organizations. So Elliot and Orbit could really start bonding at a young age. And my son became more calm. And um, all kids respond differently. Like you said, some might not benefit from it and some might. But even like at home, Orbit and Elliot are kind of like siblings. They go to each other if they need something, but they're not like, you know, they cuddle on the couch and stuff, but they're not like inseparable. But when we go into public, Elliot's job is to hold Orbit's leash. Orbit's job is to stay with Elliot and also obey us. And Elliot's confidence level, his anxiety, you know, confidence level went through the roof. Anxiety um, dropped significantly when we were out in public. Um, it just changed so much. Um, well, our also, I'm sorry, I'm curious, is there also the aspect of making sure that he doesn't cross the road incorrectly and if he were to take off out of the property boundary, would the dog stop him? How um, that works? My, Elliot is not um, a wanderer or a runner, but um, that is definitely something that the, the trainer, we can train dogs to do for um, other children that are. So um, that's the other thing that is unique about our trainers is we train the dogs specifically for the specific child from the time they're puppies to the time they come home. So they are matched very young at about eight, um, eight weeks old. They're matched by temperament to the child, and then they're trained specifically for that child. So Orbit was not trained for that specifically because Elliot's not a runner, but we do have some right now. We're training um, a dog for a little boy who climbs the fence out of his backyard, and the dog will bark to alert the parents Good. or whoever's taking care of him that he's that Brendan is climbing the fence. That's so awesome. they're, yeah, it's very individualized. Um, for us, the things that changed the most was Elliot's confidence and ability to go more places. And one of my favorite um, side benefits that I never ever thought about is a lot of our children are very sensitive to the judgments of others in public, um, as well as our us parents are. And having Orbit with us has taken our the reception that we get from people in public from what's going on there, what's wrong with that picture, why is that boy doing that, what's wrong with those parents, to, oh, my gosh, look, there's a dog at Disneyland. <laughs> oh, he has a vest on. Oh, it's his autism. Oh, it must be that boy's dog. How great is that? That's so funny. It's like the single guy that walks the dog to get attention from the yes, girl. It is. It is. But it has Who changed. Well, right, and it's, to me, it's the biggest, like I said, it's actually the most impactful thing about having Orbit, but I never even thought of it before as a I benefit of that before that we got be, it. That would be so huge, Laura. I mean, I can't tell, I think, I think every parent that I talk to has that as an issue, and I certainly did. It, it's challenging. So yeah. That's really neat. So everybody get a dog. <laughs> or like a gecko or something that you can walk. Something that'll take Just you something attention. Something that will wear a vest. Something that can wear a vest. Oh, so interesting. Who would have thought? Wow. Yeah. So okay, so that's what that's what that did for your family. What about tell us about your company. I hear that you train them specifically for that particular case. What else do you want to share? Um, sure. Well, I started Good Dog because of the two things that went 
the two things, one went well and one didn't. Finding out, researching, and understanding where to get a dog and understanding the landscape was was just very difficult for me. And then once we found the trainers, it turned into a magical journey, except raising the money was kind of difficult because it we you know it wasn't for a nonprofit. It was just for trainers, you know, to pay the trainers to train the dog. So one of the things that we, we do have three missions. We do education, placement, and research. And our education mission is that I talk to parents um, free of charge anytime about the landscape of autism service dogs. So um, whether their child could benefit, um, why you know CCI dogs are free and ours are ten thousand, and the Autism Service Dogs of America in Oregon are fourteen five. Like, wh why is that? that way. Um, how do we differ from other organizations? I do public speaking and I take Orbit out on engagements. We do meet and greets all the time with families who are interested to see how is my child going to respond to a dog, so Orbit and I go visit. Um, and then the placement part is pretty self-explanatory. We place dogs, which are, which are a good fit um, for our organization. And then we also um, are trying to get some grants to do some research. We are doing, all of our families that place dogs do a survey baseline before they get the dog and then at four months and then at one year. Um, it's, we just use the ATEC, which is the um, Autism Research Institute. But when, you know, Elliot's scores um, significantly um, went down, which is the higher the number, the more severe the autism. Right. So after four months, Elliot's um, numbers in a few areas really significantly um, went down, and that was exciting to us. So we're excited to get that data. And then we're also hoping to do um, a study once we get some grant money on the thing that you and I were just talking about, the effects of what, it's, what it means for a family to have a dog and they can go out into the community more and they can be um, more comfortable and go, go more places and don't leave the child at home as much. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. I think I hope yeah. you do get the the funds or the set up for a study. Hey, I'm going for my dissertation. Maybe we'll do it. <laughs> I need to do a study. Um, okay, so I we don't have much more time, and you are the okay, 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 great guest giveaway. So you actually have to give something away, and I'm pretty sure you're not going to give away a ten thousand dollar dog. Although <laughs> we would love it. Yes, and so would I. And so would I. I work on. I work on getting. Uh, you know, we just got an angel donor who paid in full for a dog for a family. The family had located the angel donor, and so you know, we're always working on trying to help the families. You know, we help families fundraise too. But yeah, can't give away a ten thousand dollars dog. Oh, <laughs> donor! And I have so I in my list. I know. I wish we could. Um, and you know, since we're a nonprofit, we don't have that many, you know, things. But we do um, have some really cute good dog T-shirts where we have our cute good dog logo, which is a dog nose and smile on the front, and good dog autism companions on the back. So we'd be more than happy to give away give away um, some of those good dog shirts. Well, let's put a number to that so that I know how many parents to send T-shirts to. Um, and, and think about this, parents. Not only should you get the shirt because it's always good to have another shirt, but also because you'll be sort of a walking advertisement for a cool cause. And if you don't have the dog, maybe they'll say, cute dog on your shirt. So <laughs> it might almost work as well. Um, so please, how many? 
Oh, um, we can give, we have to pay for them, and we are a nonprofit, and we are brand new. Okay, so okay, okay. We... <laughs> come on, come on, how generous are you going to be anyway? <laughs> why, oh, why don't we say, uh, why don't we say five? That's beautiful, that's awesome. Okay. And for the people that, few, right? For the people that um, want to check you out and maybe want to send an email, the first five people you put a new spin on autism answers in the subject line, where would they send um, you an email or what website can they go to to check out uh, Good Dog and also to cash in on these t-shirts? Yeah. Um, the best thing to do is go to our website, which is um, super easy. It's www, obviously, gooddogautismcompanions.org. And if okay. you forget and you type in Good Dog Autism to Google, it'll come up. But it's gooddogautismcompanions.org. Okay. And would they be able to send an email from there? Yeah. And on the Contact Us page, there's a form there. Okay. And if they just put in the subject, Lynette, then I'll know. Oh, no, no, let's make them do the whole title. Come on, a new spin on autism. Answers. Oh. Number oh. one, two, three, four, and five will get a T-shirt. Okay, okay, all that. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're getting a free shirt. You could type. No, I'm That's right. That's right. Okay, so I want you to just share with us something that's real important to you, a mission statement, or like this is sort of your wrap-up moment, and, and you get to say whatever you want to say, whether it's just, as a mom or as a company owner or whatever, just what, what would you like to share with the people? I think that one of my favorite things about doing Good Dog is sharing with families and realizing that we're a community and that we're wanting our kids to be loved and accepted just the way we do. And I just feel so blessed that... Um, Getting Orbit and starting Good Dog has been a way for me to connect with parents about accepting our kids and loving and accepting our kids and promoting that in the community. And I would just would have never thought that the way that I would do that would be a dog vest. But um, that interesting? It's just I feel I feel so grateful to be able to combine dogs and autism and. Um, you know, unconditional love and acceptance. That's very cool. And before I say goodbye, I have to tell everyone that one of the coolest things for me with knowing Laura, well, first of all, she has an amazing son. He's really yummy. But um, in addition, they have this huge, this has nothing to do with dogs, by the way. They have this huge table in their <laughs> kitchen, and they keep it covered in paper, just like, you know, some of the restaurants you go to where you have crayons and you can you know, color on the on the paper, and then they change the paper. Well, they do that in their kitchen. It's brilliant. You should all do this. The whole time I was there um, hanging out, we every time we had a point to make, we'd pull out a crayon and we'd start drawing, and her son would draw. We all got into it. So um, I think it was marvelous, and I don't know where you got the idea, but it's brilliant. So I'm sharing that oh. you're very creative, and it's, you're a very good, very good mom. Thank you. Inspired by Elliot and his love to draw. and <laughs> So, inspired by our boy. There you go. As is so uh, much. Yes, he's a doll. All right. So, thank you so much for being in the show. We really appreciate you. And you guys, make sure you email her and get those shirts. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Lynette. What a great show. That was 
Lori Sylvester and Howard Lapidus talking to us about what would it be like for him as a manager looking at the possibility of you know, marketing someone using their diagnosis first. And guess what? It is time for Stories from the Road. All right. This story is an interesting one for me because it's actually a story about my son. Usually I tell you stories from all over the globe, but the reason that I thought this was a unique and interesting subject to have up today is because my boy, Rye, decided he wanted to be a comedian. And he thought, well, what, you know, what's special about me? What can I do that makes me unique and different? So he decided that he was going to do some stand-up comedy and, and go out there and talk about being autistic. And, you know, I'm his mom, and I'm nervous that he's not even going to know how to hold the mic. So I'm like, okay, son, um, let me help you write some jokes. No, 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 I got this. I got it covered. I, I can do it. So I find this an open mic night, and I decided that it would probably be better if it was a kind of open mic night where it wasn't all comedians, one comedian after another, because... I had no idea what he was going to do, and I was afraid it was going to be just terrible and that then he'd end up having some kind of autistic meltdown on stage and be hitting his head and crying, and I'd be singing and dancing around him. So um, I took him to a cabaret night where they had mostly people up there singing, you know, things like, but baby, it's cold outside, and that was not the tune. Um, anyway, so I take him to this cabaret night, and... I get up and I start singing an improvised song all about my son. And I get them, I'm real motivated, you know, so I get everybody clapping and cheering and they're all ready for my son. And I'm like, okay, you never got a warmer room and they're ready for you. And, and I, come on out, Rye. And so he comes out and he goes up to the microphone and he stands there and he takes it and he says, uh, 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 I'm autistic. I used to stare at heaters. As you can imagine, nobody laughed. And he stared out at the room. And they stared back at him. And I found myself in this like weird time warp thing. And I was thinking, wow, should I have let him do this? And then I realized that we were doing something really special. And so I didn't interrupt, I didn't step on stage, I didn't save him. And he sat there for a few, or stood there for a few minutes and just stared out at everybody. And he said, so you don't think autism's funny? And they laughed. And then he told a couple of other jokes that were about autism, and they fell apart, and nobody laughed, and I don't even remember what they were. And then he started talking about not perceiving the world right and seeing things differently than everybody else and how the kids used to call him Napoleon Dynamite and say, you know, run, forced run as well when he'd go skating by and different things like that. And mostly nobody laughed. But every once in a while, there was a chuckle or a smile. And he got off the stage and I said, so what did you think? And he says, well, I think I was pretty good. What do you think? 
I said, yeah, you were awesome. And so today's answer is special. Today's answer is, you got to let them fail. You got to let them try. Most of the homes I go into, everybody's out there prompting and pushing and solving, and nobody's learning. Eventually, just so you know the ending of the story, he decided he wasn't meant to do it in public, and he made himself a little video clip, and it's it's gotten its way around quite a bit, actually, and, and lots of clicks and hardly any comments because people don't know what to say, and he feels like he's done and he's moved on to the next career. So my name's Lynette Louise. I'm your story teacher host, and thank you for being here because otherwise I'd just be talking to myself. There you go, Howard. That's our ending. Lovely story. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't.